Luke 4, verse 31. The Bible says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Yeshua Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of Yahweh. But Yeshua rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. They were all struck with amazement and kept saying to one another, What is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out. The news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you. Father Yahweh, help me be able to present this message in truth today. Father, I pray that we would learn something, all of us today, in Your Word. Uh, Father, I pray that we wouldn't veer to the right or to the left. And I pray, Father, that we wouldn't go to one extreme or the other on this topic or this subject. Thank You for Your Scriptures. In Your Son we pray. Amen. I want to talk today about demonic possession in the book of Luke. Now, in Luke we're going to see uh, a few points about demon possession. And I'm going to limit my study to just one gospel the Gospel according to St. Luke. We hear a lot about demonic possession in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and to a lesser extent, John. We hear about it also in the book of Acts, predominantly though, the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But for sake of time, we want to limit it to the Gospel according to Luke today. I think that we're going to see the following points as it pertains to demon possession, being that we're talking about spiritual warfare for the past couple of weeks. We're going to see these points, basically five things in the Gospel of Luke. Point number one, we're going to see that Yeshua treats demons as personal beings. He treats them as personal beings. And if you've been here for the previous two sermons, you know that I take the position that the demons originate from the angels that fell with the dragon in Revelation 12. Also in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. The, the angels that fell with that dragon, one-third of those angels, they're the ones that became what we would call demons or devils. The Bible calls them the devil and his angels in Matthew 25, verse 41. In Revelation 12, we have the dragon and the angels with the dragon there. So Yeshua treats demons in His ministry as personal beings. Personal beings. Point number two, Yeshua recognizes extraordinary demon possession. Now, I think that there are a lot of demonic-slash-satanic people in the world today. I do. All right? But I'm going to classify most of that under what I'm going to call ordinary demonic possession, if there is such a thing. All right? Ordinary demonic possession. What we're going to talk about today is extraordinary. You know, we have ordinary and extraordinary. We have natural and we have supernatural. These things are supernatural, and I believe they can take place in this day and time, just like they did in the first century, there at the day of uh, the Messiah. Point number three, Yeshua's ministry reveals to us a difference. A difference between healing a sickness and casting out a demon. Every time somebody gets sick, it doesn't mean that they're possessed by Satan. My dad told me of the story. He knew a guy one time that he would kind of go around with. I don't know if it had to do with music or 
tent ministry or revivals or what have you, but this guy always was afraid to go to certain places. And Dad said they might be going to a restaurant and the guy get right in front of the door of the restaurant and put his hands up, you know, like that, and feel up and down and said, Brother Eric, we can't we can't eat right here. My dad said he told him, said, Man, I'm hungry. Move out of the way. I've got to eat something, you know. What this guy did was he took it to this extreme. And when we study the topic of demons, there's a difference between healing a sickness or a disease and casting out a demon. There's a big difference there. Now, as we'll see, sometimes diseases can be attributed to Satan, to, to the bondage of Satan. We will see that. But most of the time, they're different than diseases and sicknesses. All right. So sometimes because we, we're in this body and we're in this flesh, uh, we're, we, we get sick. Okay, That's just a natural occurrence. Uh, it's a point that a man wants to die. Death is the ultimate sickness. If we were never supposed to get sick, we could all escape death. But because we're in this body, we're going to die. We're corruptible flesh. All right, We won't be completely glorified and lose all tears, pain, and sorrow until the heavenly city comes down in Revelation 21. There will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. God will wipe away every tear from our eye. And it won't even be a cough or a twitch or an earache, right? None of that will take place. That's point number three. Point number four, Yeshua's ministry reveals to us that sometimes sicknesses are attributed to satanic activity. Point number five, Yeshua's ministry reveals to us that we, through the power of Yahweh, have authority over the demons. This is a big point here. All right, we're gonna we're gonna touch on this. We're gonna get this here when we go through the Gospel of Luke. In the ministry of our Messiah, we have a revelation. It's revealed to us that through the power of Yahweh, which was the power that Yeshua worked through, the Holy Spirit, which is none other than the Spirit of Yahweh. When we say Holy Spirit, it's just another way to say Spirit of God or Spirit of Yahweh. All right, it's not a separate. Spirit from Yahweh who is Spirit. Through the power of Yahweh, through the Holy Spirit, we can overcome demonic possession. We can cast out demons today. Through the power of Yahweh, though. Only through the power of Yahweh. Alright, we don't want to ever forget that. Now there's a lot more that could be said. I'm only going to skim the surface today in this sermon. There's a lot more that could be said about this topic of demonology. But I want to give you, and everybody that will hear this sermon in the future, a good foundation point to start from when we study demonic possession because it is real and, and we don't want to... That's why I pray. You know, we don't want to go to one extreme or the other. A lot of people, and I was on this side of the fence at one time, uh, because they're taught one thing or they're hammered one thing all their life, when they come out of some of that, they swing to the other extreme and I've been guilty of that in areas of my beliefs and doctrines. And so I swing to the side of the pendulum at one point in my life where I didn't think there was such a thing as demonic possession, and I don't no longer take that position. On the other hand, you know, whereas we have some people that don't believe in any of it at all, we've got some that are just infatuated with it. And that's their emphasis. That's all they want to ever talk about. And they might even look like they're spooked or, or afraid or scared to have to death when you bring up Satan or, or demons or something like that. But listen, the Bible says that Yahweh has given us not a spirit of fear, right? But a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So although Satan and his demons, they're real, they're active, and they are out to get the children of Yahweh, 
We don't have to have a spirit of fear. We can have a spirit of a sound mind, power and love, you know, by the authority of Yahweh. So let's look at Luke four, thirty one through thirty seven. A few key points in these verses. Look at verse thirty three. Verse 33 teaches us that the man had an unclean, demonic spirit. The text is very forthright when saying that. The word demonic in the Greek means a demonic being, a deity. Some lexicons define it as a deity. I'm beginning to lean to the, to the position that some of the, at least some of the gods that were worshipped in the Old Testament, some of the false gods that were worshipped in the Old Testament actually had a demon behind them. I think that when Yahweh said He executed judgment on the gods of Egypt, I don't think He was only talking about idols. I think He was talking about demonic activity. This is something that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians where he says, the things that the heathen sacrificed, they sacrificed to demons. He equivocates their demons and idols. He places them together synonymously in that text in 1 Corinthians 10. All right. So this guy, he's possessed with an unclean demonic spirit all right, demonic, a deity, an evil spirit, inferior to Yahweh, a minister of the devil. Some lexicons uh, give us a definition. I want you to notice that it's identified here in verse 33 as a spirit. Demons are spirit beings. In Hebrews 1 verse 14 where the Bible talks about angels, specifically in that context it's talking about good angels. And it says, are they not all ministering spirits? See, angels are spirit beings. Luke 20 teaches us that they cannot die, that they're immortal beings. All right. So here we have a spirit that is demonic and unclean that is possessing this fellow. In verses 33 through 35 where we read, we see that the guy crying out with a loud voice when the demon came out of him at this point when he was talking to the Messiah. And we see that plural pronouns are used and singular pronouns are used by the demon as well. And then we see that Yeshua rebukes the demon. Now, we might think first think that it's just the man that's crying out. This is kind of the position that I would use to take. Well, this is just a human being that's crying out. And I'm sure that the man was speaking when the demon was speaking. I'm sure it was using the man to do so. I believe that the demon was actually speaking through the man. I'm going to show you why I believe that here in just a second. Look at verse 35. Verse 35, it says, But Yeshua rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. So we're talking about a him there, a man that's, that's possessed, and Yeshua tells something that's inside of him. You be quiet, you hush, and you come out of him. You spirit, you demonic, unclean spirit, come out of this man. That He's rebuking not necessarily the man, but the demon that is inside of the man. The demon that is making the man say certain things. What do we have to do with you? Why have you come to torment us? Alright? I believe in this man there's one singular demon and the reason that he uses these plural pronouns is because he's talking about not just tormenting this, him, this demon, this particular spirit being, but all of the demons in that area. Why have you come to torment us? Why have you come to minister in this region? Notice that the demons are scared of the Messiah. They're frightened. Why have you come to, to torment us? In verses 35 through 36, we see that the demon threw the man down, and people also recognized the possession by the unclean spirit. In verse 36, they said, For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out. And news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. Verse 37. I want you to contrast this with Luke 5, beginning at verse 12. Luke 5, verse 12. 
where the Bible says, While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a serious skin disease all over him. This is leprosy. Some of your Bibles might translate this as leprosy. He saw Yeshua, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more. Large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. I want you to contrast what we just read in Luke 4, 31-37 with Luke 5, 12-16. They're very different. One of them's talking about demonic activity, casting out of a demon, an unclean spirit. Luke 5, though, is specifically talking about a skin disease. Leprosy. It's a sickness. It's a disease. It's not attributed to a demon. It's not attributed to Satan. This is something that this man has acquired as a sickness, as a disease, and he is healed of it by our Messiah. Definitely two different accounts here when we contrast the two and they're back to back beside each other. There isn't the slightest notion in Luke 5, 12-16 that the man that had the skin disease was demon-possessed. There isn't at all. Luke 6, verses 17-19. through 19. Luke six seventeen says, After coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples. And a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, they came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Listen to this. They came to listen to him, presumably to teach, and to be healed of their diseases. Right? Then it says, And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. Verse 19 follows up by saying the whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out of him, or from him, excuse me, and healing them all. Here in verse, or verse says, 17 through 19, specifically beginning at verse 18, it mentions healing from diseases, and then it mentions people that were tormented by unclean spirits. It separates the two. Okay? In verse 19, it shows that both of these, being made better, are referred to as being healed. Somebody can be healed of a disease, a sickness, Somebody can be healed of demonic possession. Possession by an unclean spirit being. A fallen angel is what it actually is. Luke 7 then, I won't go over these, I'll just mention them. In Luke 7, after that account in Luke 6, we see it recorded about the healing of the centurion's servant and the widow's son. The centurion's servant is healed of a sickness. The widow's son is restored to life. Nothing in either of those accounts says anything about demon possession. Only about somebody being healed of a sickness and raised from death to life. Alright, so there's a difference again. We're seeing a difference between demonic possession and sickness. Not only does this prove that everybody that gets a headache doesn't have a demon, but it also proves that there is a difference. You can't attribute demonic possession. You can't equate the two. In other words, you can't negate demonic activity by saying, well, it's just all talking about sickness. You see that? Because there is clearly different contrast, different stories in this gospel that we're seeing. 
Look at Luke chapter 8. This is a very popular one. Luke 8 verse 26. We want to read this account here. Luke 8 beginning at verse 26. The Bible says, Then they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When he got out on land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Yeshua, he cried out, fell down before him, and said in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me? Yeshua, you son of the Most High God, I beg you, don't torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and although he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into deserted places. What is your name? Yeshua asked him. Legion, he said, because many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to banish them to the abyss. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs, and he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the man or when the men who tended them saw what had happened, they ran off and reported it in the town and in the countryside. Then people went out to see what had happened. They came to Yeshua and found the man the demons had departed from, sitting at Yeshua's feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Meanwhile, the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon-possessed man was delivered. Then all the people of the Gerasene region asked him to leave them, because they were gripped by great fear. So getting into the boat, he returned. Very popular demonic account in the Gospel of Luke and in the other Gospels as well. Here in this text, we see in verse 27 that the man is what's called demon-possessed, at least in this translation. I believe this is akin to Luke 4, 31-37. There's an unclean spirit that is in this particular man. The demon kept the man from wearing clothing and the demon kept the man from living in a suitable place. This guy lived amongst the tombs. And the demon would rip or cause the man to rip the clothing off of his body, off of himself. In verse 28, we see that the demon cries out and he recognizes the power that the Messiah has. And he shows this by asking Yeshua not to torment him. See, he begs Yeshua, don't torment me. Don't torment us, many demons, legion. Don't torment us. Do you see the fear? See, if we have Yahweh, the Father, and also the Son of Yahweh on our side, we don't have anything to fear when it comes to these demons. If we don't have Yahweh and the Son of Yahweh on our side, we've got everything to fear when it comes to demonic activity. Everything. But we, remember we talked about the, the armament last week that we have to put on our bodies? We follow those seven pieces of armor. That means we're inside of Yahweh there. He's, 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 he's enclosed around us. He's protecting us. We have nothing to fear. Because they're afraid of what's inside of us. And they beg the Messiah, don't torment us. Please. Please don't torment us. In verse 29... It talks about this demon would seize him and although he was bound by chains and shackles, this guy would break the chains and he would break and snap the restraints. And he would be driven by the demon into deserted places, places that were not lived in, desert places. 
Now, I've got a note here in my Bible that says, if Luke is describing a sickness, he sure is doing it differently than in the other places in his Gospel. When Luke is describing a disease or a sickness that somebody has, like in Luke 7 or Luke 5, it's very plain, isn't it? Well, this person was sick. This person had a skin disease. This widow's son was dead. This centurion's servant was in need of a healing. Makes it very plain. And if this is talking about the same thing that Luke's been recording about sicknesses, he's definitely describing it in a very strange way. I believe the answer to that dilemma is this. Is that Luke's not talking about a sickness here or a disease. Luke is referring to a demonic possession inside of this man. And it needs to be cast out. Notice that the demon, this is one of the key points of the text. The demon says, or begs the Messiah, don't banish us to the abyss. The abyss. You look up the word abyss, and it means like the bottomless tent. The depths, some of your Bibles might say. This is the same bottomless pit that Revelation 20 talks about, where Satan is bound in the bottomless pit. The Greek word has to do with the abyss. I personally believe that in 2 Peter 2 verse 4, where it talks about the angels that sinned, Let me read that in 2 Peter 2, verse 4. It says, For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but threw them down into hell, your Bible might say, the Greek is Tartarus. I believe Tartarus is synonymous with the abyss or the bottomless pit. And deliver them to be kept in chains of darkness until the judgment. See, when those angels fell with Satan, some of them were put in a place called, in the Greek, Tartarus. Strong's defines that as the the, the, the deepest or the lowest place in the abyss, the bottomless pit. And they're reserved there with chains. Not all of the fallen angels. Obviously not all of them because they're active here in the Gospels. But a lot of them are bound in chains. And these in Luke 8 were asking the Messiah, please, we're begging you, don't banish us to the abyss. Why? Because when you read Revelation 20, even when Satan himself is put in the abyss... He can't go around and do his dirty work. He can't act wickedly to deceive and to be cunning and practice trickery on people. Do you see that? So these demons are saying, don't put us there. We don't want to be there because we can't do our activity. We can't go about doing wickedness. And they don't ever do anything good because they know their fate. They know their judgment. There's no hope of their salvation. Yeshua did not die for the fallen angels. He didn't. So they can't be saved. So they know their fate. They know their judgment. So that makes sense why they would want to wreak havoc with Yahweh's children as much as possibly as they could. So they say, don't put us into the abyss. We're not talking about a sickness here, brothers and sisters. We're talking about a demon. He's called legion. The word legion actually refers to like an army, particularly a Roman army at that time that that consisted upwards to some like six or seven thousand men. Can you imagine a man being possessed by six or seven thousand demons? I mean, we see what was happening to the guy. He couldn't keep his clothes on, right? He lived in the tombs. He would break shackles and restraints. You know, imagine putting a pair of handcuffs on a fella, and he looks at you and he busts the handcuffs, rips his clothes off, screams, and goes out to a deserted place. You know, you think something's up. You know, this is a lot more than a skin disease, right? 
This isn't leprosy. We're talking about demonic activity here, see. And Yeshua cast this demon out. And listen, this is where we get. I remember growing up, people would be said to have demonic possession in their life. And people would gather around them, and sometimes for hours on end would pray. I'm not against praying for people, and I'm not against seeking Yahweh for people. But I don't see that type of exorcism going on in the ministry of Yeshua. What I see in Yeshua's ministry is power, Sister Lisa. I see power. I see where He just has to say, leave, go, get out. See, He really had the gift of healing, Brother Randy. He really gave the twelve disciples the gift not only to heal sicknesses, but also to cast out demons. It wasn't like we did earlier. It wasn't where somebody got prayed for and anointed. No, it was just the mere touch. And they were healed. It was the Word, and the the demon was gone. Acts chapter 5 talks about the shadow of Peter. People tried to get into the shadow so they would be healed. We read this morning, I think it was in Acts 19, where face cloths, right? And aprons were brought off of, from off of Paul's body so that somebody that was sick might touch that face cloth or that apron that Paul had at one time on his body and be healed. This is miraculous. And I'm not saying that that can't take place today. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is this. We're not talking about praying for somebody for months at a time. Instant, miraculous healing is what we're referring to here. The Messiah had it. He had the gift. Paul had it. Peter had it. The twelve had it. The seventy, according to Luke 11, the seventy had it. They came back and they rejoiced that the devils were subject to them through His name. Of course, he said, listen, he said, that's great, but rejoice rather that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, that's the more important thing here. All right? We're talking about demonic activity. Definitely talking about spirit beings here. So that these these spirit beings, when they're cast out, they want to go into the pigs, right? And, they, and Yeshua says, okay, I'm not going to put you into the abyss. I'm going to put you into the herd of pigs. And the pigs, they run violently down this steep cliff. They run into this body of water and they're drowned. Okay, the pigs are drowned. The demons are not. That didn't kill the demons. They moved on and tried to find somebody else to torment in another location, another region. They're not omnipresent, so they're not everywhere at one time. Okay, like Yahweh is. He's the only being that's omnipresent in, in that sense of the word. So it kills the pigs. It doesn't kill the demons. The demons go on. They go and torment somebody else. I want you to contrast again. Let's do another contrast. I want you to contrast this story in Luke 8, 26 through uh, 37, with Luke 8, 42 through 48. All that that we just read, now read Luke 8, 42 through 48. actually halfway through 42, it begins a new story. It says, While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. This is The hymn is speaking about the Messiah. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors, yet could not be healed by any, approached from behind and touched the tassel of his robe. Now your Bible might say the hem of his garment. The word hem in the Greek actually means a tassel. Right? Uh, uh, what, what we wear on our, on our clothing, what Numbers 15 talks about, Deuteronomy 22, 12. She touched that tassel. But what did that tassel represent? Keeping the law. That's exactly right, Brother Dan. Representing keeping the law. And what does Proverbs 3 tell us about the law? It's health to our navel, marrow to our bones. Do you see the symbology there? 
She touches that castle that represents the healing power of Yahweh's law. I'm not saying there was any kind of mystical thing inside of the tassel. I'm just talking about symbolism. She touches it, and that 12-year bleeding stopped. She was healed. Was there a demon cast out of her? No. She was healed of a sickness. Let's continue to read on. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Yeshua asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. In other words, they're saying, everybody's touching you, man. What do you mean, who touched me? Fifty people's touched you. He said, but no, somebody touched me differently. Somebody touched me with faith. Seeking for a healing. Verse 46, somebody did touch me, said Yeshua. I know that power has gone out from me. When the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly cured. Cured from her what? Her sickness, not her demonic possession. There's a difference between the two. Verse 48, Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. A lot of times we lack the faith. We pray, but we lack the faith. Have you ever prayed about something before? And the whole time in the back of your mind you're thinking, and maybe it's the enemy, maybe it's Satan. He's plaguing your mind. He's saying, Yeah, this is not going to work. <laughs> you're not going to get healed. What are you doing? You ever had that happen? I've had it happen many times. You're not going to get... What are you doing? Who are you talking to? You're sitting in your closet or down on your knees talking to your hands. You're not going to be healed, Satan says. But you have to grasp, you have to get a hold to the faith that this woman had. And we're not just talking about a headache or an earache here. We're talking about 12 years she spent everything she had on doctors, on physicians. She got no, didn't get any better but she was healed of her sickness. Praise Yahweh. And that's not the purpose of my sermon, but it's great. It's great. Now, look at Luke 9. Luke 9, verse 1. Luke 9, 1 says, Summoning the twelve, the twelve disciples, He gave them power and authority over all the demons and power to heal diseases. Do you see the two? He, he doesn't only give them power over the demons, but also over the diseases. Separating the two, all right? Acts 5.16 agrees. I won't turn there. But it says, quote, In addition, a multitude came together from the town surrounding Jerusalem bringing sick people, one, and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. They were all healed. Okay? Acts 8, 4-8 also, if you're taking notes, differentiates the two in the work of Philip. The Apostle Philip there in the, in the region of Samaria. Look with me now to Luke 11. 24 through 26. This is an interesting one in the Gospel of Luke. Talking about demonic possession, okay? Luke 11, verse 24 through 26. The Bible says, When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, it roams through waterless places. Your Bible might say desert places or dry places. Waterless is a fine translation. Looking for rest and not finding rest, it then says, I'll go back to my house where I came from, and returning, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and settle down there. As a result, that man's last condition is worse than the first. Here in this text, I want you to notice in verse 24, Yeshua ascribes personal attributes to this unclean spirit, even when it's outside of a person. Remember, this is the words of our Messiah here. He's not lying. 
It says when an unclean spirit comes out of a man, it roams through these waterless places and it looks for rest. This isn't a sickness. This is a personal being. It looks for rest. And it doesn't find rest, it says. And then it says, I'll go back to my house where I came from. See, our bodies in this text are likened to a house wherein something dwells. And this is talking about a person that's been demon-possessed, like we've read about here in Luke. The demon is cast out of them. Their house is swept. It's clean. But they don't, children. They don't fill it back up with anything else. Do you see that, Austin? Do you see that? They don't fill it back up with anything else. So what happens when the demon comes back? He sees, oh, I used to belong in this, this house, this person. I was cast out, but I'm back now. It looks like there's some vacancy here. I can get back in because nothing has filled the void. That's why ministry that has to do with the casting out of demons, that's a good thing. But it needs to be equally worried and concerned with filling in the void. You see that? You see that? Filling in the void. Through prayer, through fasting, study of the Scriptures, these basic principles of Christian growth. You know, So when we see somebody that's plagued by, by, by a demon, maybe we can discern it, maybe we can't. But if we think in our minds, hey, there's some demon possession going around here. This isn't just a sickness here. This isn't just a disease. This person needs help. And we pray for them, and it looks as though that demon has left. And now they're, they're in their right mind, and they're wanting to learn and wanting to study. What we need to do is we need to, we need to try to help that person fill that void so that their last condition doesn't end up worse than their first condition. What does the text say that this spirit, this unclean spirit, notice it calls them unclean. What does the text say that the spirit does? It leaves, it says, and then it does what? It finds and brings seven other spirits, demons, more evil than itself. And they enter and settle down there. As a result, that man's condition is worse than the first. Why? Because the house wasn't the void wasn't filled. We're talking about demonic activity here. It is real. You know, don't be scared, but it is it is real and it can happen. So we have to be on guard. Luke chapter thirteen. I got a couple more verses. Luke thirteen, ten through seventeen. This text shows us I don't want to only go to one side, because this text shows us that sometimes, sometimes Sickness can be demonic activity. Sometimes it can. Look at Luke thirteen ten through 17 As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for over 18 years. This speaks of the woman being disabled for over 18 years. And what does it say she was disabled by? A spirit. What was her disability? Look at the rest of verse 11. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. Now this is a sickness or a disease, we might say. Problem in her body. It doesn't necessarily attribute any kind of tearing of the clothes or loud crying out like we've seen before. It's just a disease, just a sickness, a problem in her her body. But Yeshua says she was disabled by a spirit. Now we're going to see what spirit she was disabled by here in a second. It wasn't Yahweh that disabled this woman. It was Satan. Satan did it. Verse 12, When Yeshua saw her, He called out to her, Woman, you are free of your disability. 
Then he laid his hands on her, and instantly she was restored and began to glorify Yahweh. That must have been wonderful. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Yeshua had healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, there are six days when work should be done. Therefore, come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. So the Jewish leader, they get upset. But we've studied this before, right? It's not against the Torah to heal on the Sabbath, is it? No, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. And Yeshua's gonna he's gonna combat him here in just a second. I said, listen, bring him during the six working days and let him get healed. But the Lord answered him, verse fifteen, and said, Hypocrites, pretenders, play actors. Doesn't each one of you untie his ox or donkey from the feeding trough on the Sabbath and lead it to the water hole? Well, that's a rhetorical question. The answer to that question that they would have, have had to say was, Yes, we do that. We untie our animal and we take it to the watering hole. So Yeshua here is going to give an argument from the lesser to the greater. He basically says, well, let's read it. 16, Satan has bound this woman. Now the Spirit is identified. Satan has bound this woman, a daughter of Abraham, for 18 years. Shouldn't she be untied from this bondage on the Sabbath day? If you untie your animal, how much more is this woman, a daughter of Abraham, worth than an animal? Notice, though, that here sometimes, sometimes, we've seen a differentiation but we don't want to go too extreme. Sometimes disease and sickness or, or problems in the natural can be caused by Satan. But they can be healed. They can, even if they're over 18 years old. Talk about being a prayer warrior. 18 years. She was bent over, couldn't straighten up. Instantly she was healed. Praise be to Yahweh. Amen. In conclusion, let me go over my points again. Point number one. Yeshua treats demons as personal beings. Not only in the Gospel of Luke, we've limited our study to Luke today, but He treats them in all of His ministry as personal beings. Point number two, Yeshua recognizes extraordinary demon possession. Not just the sickness like Luke 13, but extraordinary where there's breaking of shackles, tearing of clothes, foaming at the mouth, (laughs) going into the desert. Okay? Point number three, Yeshua's ministry reveals to us a difference between healing a sickness and casting out a demon. There is generally a difference between the two. Number four, Yeshua's ministry reveals to us that sometimes sicknesses are attributed to satanic activity. Luke 13 proves that. Point number five is the big big point. Yeshua's ministry reveals to us that He, through the power of Yahweh, has authority over the demons. And if His Spirit lives within us, then we through Him have that same authority. We have that same authority. Now don't get wild and try to go find somebody. You know, As I mentioned last week, Jude 1 verse 9. What did Michael, Michael the archangel, he's a very, very powerful being. What did he do when he was arguing with the devil about the body of Moses? He said, Yahweh rebuked you. You never forget. If you're going to talk to one of these things, and it comes into your bedroom or it comes into your life, you're going to speak to it, you mention the name of Yahweh. You tell Him He has the authority. I don't rebuke you. Yahweh rebuke you. He's on my side. He's greater than you and any of your fallen angels. You make sure to remember the authority of Yahweh the Father. And He'll be with you. Demons are real, brothers and sisters. But Yahweh's not giving us a spirit of fear. Don't be afraid. Yahweh can help us. We will overcome. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. I want to invite everybody back here tomorrow for the new moon service. Same time, 4.30.
tomorrow. And uh, we'll have some more uh, praise and worship and, and Bible study. I love everybody. Yahweh Father, we love You so much and we praise You for all that You do in our lives. Father, we ask that uh, You would help us, Father, in this area. Father Yahweh, and if we do see this happen in our life with someone that we know or someone that we don't know, we see this happen, let this, 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 uh, these passages come back to our remembrance and see how our Messiah dealt with these things. Father Yahweh, let us have faith. Let us recognize that You have the authority. Let us not have the spirit of fear. Let us be in the right mind that we can overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I love Your Word. I'm so thankful that we can study it and come to the knowledge of the truth. We glorify You and we praise You and we thank You, Yahweh the Father, through Your Son, our Mediator, we pray. Amen.